At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Habits, Ancient Practices for Today's World, where we'll learn to reject culture's endless stream of quick fixes for God's time-tested truth. Together, we'll rediscover age-old practices that draw us to Him, where true satisfaction awaits. Well, that incredible concept that we just sang about, that thought that God is always working, is why we're calling one another to live out the habits that are a part of following Jesus. Because habits are done not because you feel like it. It's not because you're, you're seeing the effect. Habits are done just because you know that over time, the mundane, regular activities are going to pay off. In that spiritual sense, embracing these habits will put you in a place where you're living out the mundane, the, the, the steps of everyday life, believing God is working so you can maximize everything he wants to do. So as we, today, this is really our last Sunday in this series. It's a short series, just three Sundays. Actually, Woodside is covering 12 different habits across all our campuses in our Sunday series, and each campus can choose like three out of the 12 as we, as we uh, came together as teaching team to identify those 12 habits in Scripture. And we've chosen these three as our elders got together. We, we felt that these three will help us as a campus position ourselves to maximize what God wants to do here. We started out with the habit of serving. Living your life every day, waking up in the morning, embracing the identity of a servant of others. Now, when we talk about habits, of course, it means we're not talking about something that someday we'd like to get started doing. A habit is something that I'm purposing to start doing, and I do. So I guess the question is, since that was like three weeks ago, how are you doing? Have you found yourself beginning a day saying, God, I want to serve today. If not, can I urge you to start the habit? Because that's how Jesus walked. And he said, if you walk this way, your life will be blessed. And I want you to be blessed, don't you? Isn't that what you want? You want the blessing from God. And so live that way. Bill, last week, talked about the habit of scriptural meditation, of being in the Word consistently and pondering that through your day. How you doing? Did some of you download the Bible app so you have every complete access to all of God's Word and even reading plans and such things? Or maybe some of you, have you, have you opened the Word in a morning or at night just to establish a habit of reading it? And digesting it and pondering it? If not, why not? Don't you want what God wants? Don't you want to maximize everything he wants to do in your life? So do that. It doesn't mean that you might get to heaven one day if you do. That's not what this is about. This is about experiencing all the blessings that God has for us now. And being in his word faithfully will take you there. We're going to we're talk about another habit today. A habit that... I believe most Christians in our Protestant kind of church have neglected. 
I, you know, the thing about statistics is that you can make them up on the spot, so let me do that. I'll bet there's only about 8% of people in this room that live out this habit. Probably out of that 8% would probably admit that, yeah, you know, but that I don't even do it faithfully. Now, the true number might be 88%. I don't know. I made it up on the spot. But I want you to think about this thought that maybe this is something that because of what we believe about God, we've neglected because we've misunderstood that belief. This is a habit that some have rejected because, well, I don't want to be part of this archaic, ritually-based kind of Christian life. So I'll put that aside. Some have said, well, because of what happened to me in the past, I don't even have to worry about this. Until we read Scripture and we see that actually this is something that all of us, if we want to have a consistent, growing, fruitful Christian life, need to practice this habit. It's the habit of confessing our sin. Just before we get started, I want to call out someone special today that experienced someone's, something special yesterday. Uh, Woodside has a ministry to those with special needs. Um, there's a ministry in Troy where a number of people from all around surrounding areas are truly finding encouragement and hope in their unique situations. And Jordan is a part of that ministry. Jordan, would you just stand up? Jordan is wearing a shirt today. That's a shirt he received yesterday because he followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Would you give him a hand? Look at that. They had a baptism service yesterday. Thank you, Jordan. You can be seated. And Jordan has grown in his faith and has recognized his need of a Savior. He's given his life to Jesus. And he wanted to let the whole world know, just as Jesus commanded him. So yesterday was a very special day, a day that he'll never forget. A day that marked him as a follower of Jesus. That's awesome. We're going to have a baptism service here at Woodside Algonac. Uh, in the middle channel on August the 8th. We have a handful of people that have felt God's prompting in their heart to do the same thing, to let the world know that they are a follower of Jesus. Maybe there's more that want to do that. You've been wrestling with that decision. Maybe this is the time the Holy Spirit's starting to tap on your shoulder and say, what, you embarrassed of me? Why won't you let the world know that you believe in me? This might be a perfect time for you. So talk to me afterwards. We'd love to help you get ready for that very special thing. Back to our habit today. Let me tell you, as we get started, uh, you can turn to um, Psalm 32, if you would, please. Uh, the book of Psalms is kind of right smack dab in the middle of your Bible, if you have a printed copy. Uh, and then chapter 32 is a psalm written by David. We don't really know exactly when he wrote this psalm or exactly what the circumstances were. We know he is a man that failed and failed badly, but he's also a man that sought to respond to those failures in a life-giving way. One of my early embarrassing moments as a brand new head of the household kind of dude, you know, I just got married, um, and a big fail that I did 
had to do with my car. Um, I chose... I chose a wife with great heavenly wisdom. God actually chose her for me, but I don't know. I just think I was pretty smart the way I did it. So I met Nancy in college. She was two years ahead of me, which meant she graduated two years before me, which meant she started her career two years before I graduated, which means she started to make money for two years before we got married which means she was able to purchase furniture, some household items, even able to get a car. So when I graduated from college and we got married a month later, then I had a car and I had furniture. It was a beautiful plane. Wouldn't you agree? Smart. Yeah, smart. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I had never owned a car up to that point. I drove my parents' car. But one thing my dad always taught me, by example, whenever you get gas, check the oil. Just make sure it's good, because when it gets bad, you need to change it. And there was something about three months or eight months or 12 months, I don't remember that, about changing it, but I, I knew to check the oil faithfully. So I did that as a new, newly married man with a newly acquired car, caring for that well. Um, we lived in Iowa at the time, and all the families back in Michigan, so on our first trip back home, went to Grandpa's house, and Grandpa said, so that's your new car. I said, Yeah. He said, are you taking care of it? I said, absolutely. Every time I get gas, I check the oil. He said, when did you change it last? Well, it's, it might be due, but it looks, it looks pretty good. He said, let's go take a look. So we went out to the car, popped the hood. And he, he looks at it, he reaches down under here and pulls out this dipstick. And my thought was, what's that? <laughs> and then I, I actually... It, kind of slipped, and I said it. He said, well, it's the dipstick. So, oh, what's this one? He says, that's, that's your transmission dipstick. Oh. <laughs> so he checked that one that was kind of hidden behind the engine block. It's pretty low, pretty black, not the beautiful reddish color that I thought oil <laughs> should be. And of course, soon after that, we changed the oil. Why? Because a healthy, smooth-running car needs to have fresh oil consistently to run smoothly. It's something that you do regularly to maintain the health of your vehicle if you want it to run long and run well. When it comes to living your Christian life, we need to recognize that there is a need for us to faithfully and consistently examine our lives and to allow God to cleanse us consistently because we fail. Here's our truth today that you'll see from Psalm 32, that when we uncover our sin in confession... God covers our sin with forgiveness. When we uncover our sin in confession, God covers our sin in forgiveness. Let's look at Psalm 32. We're going to see that this confession separates us from the oppression of covered sin. And 
already you're starting to think, okay, so do you cover sin or, or do you not? So when we uncover our sin in confession, God covers it. Why don't we just leave it covered? I think you'll see it. Psalm 32, verse 1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as the heat of summer. Salah, which is a word we don't... There's a lot of argument on what that word means. Some, most scholars kind of view that as since this was a poetic song, it's kind of a, a, a musical term that means this is an interlude, a musical interlude. We don't know. Some, some suggest that means go back and review what was just said. Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Salah. So in these five verses, there's this, there's this clear contrast. One, the description of a man who is blessed. This man's sin is forgiven. It's covered. His iniquity is not held against him. This is a man who can walk without a heavy weight. This is a man who can walk closely with God. Because his sin has been covered by God. But then it presents us a contrast with a man who covers his own sin. Who keeps silent about his sin. And as he keeps silent, whether from ignoring it's not there, explaining it away, justifying it, blaming it on the woman or the man or the kids, or the boss, or the neighbor, blaming on my heritage, or my upbringing, blaming whatever we do to cover it or remain silent about it, it says this man groans all day long. This man has God's hand heavy upon him, his strength dried up. A man with a burden. Describing a child who maybe anticipates the return of his parents who left him earlier in the day to say, we're going to be gone, we'll be back at about three. Can you just do this for us? We'd love for you just to weed the back flower garden. That's all we're asking you to do today. They go, they say, yeah, sure. Three o'clock comes, mom and dad pull in the driveway and he thinks, oh, Mom and dad come in the house and the curtains to the backyard are shut. The child tries to think, let's see, how can we keep them from going to the backyard? Maybe I can do this tomorrow. The child avoids eye contact and, and maybe avoids time in the same room. Doesn't let mom and dad go close to that back area. Why? Because they've failed. And what they've attempted to do is cover it up. And so instead of this child experiencing the joy of a household and dinner, free conversation flowing, nothing hidden, instead there's this hindrance to the relationship. That's what, that's what the psalmist is describing here. Actually, he's kind of reflecting back to the original sin. Do you remember the story of the Garden of Eden? 
Do you? Yeah, okay. So God says, everything's yours to enjoy except this tree. Don't eat from it. But that's exactly what they do. And the Bible says, when they ate of the fruit, they saw that they were naked and ashamed. And so they made for themselves fig leaves to cover their nakedness. And when they heard God coming to walk in the cool of the day, they hid themselves from God. We're so good at that. It's what, it's what mankind has been doing ever since, that when we fail, we, we try to cover it up. And we do all kinds of things to cover our sin. We do a lot of pointing, don't we? And, and, and I made this decision because I was driven to that by the way I was treated. Or, or I valued this and I partook of this because I, I kind of... I, I, I needed it, and God's the one that created me with needs, and so I just responded to a need that's God-given. So it's not even my fault. It's probably his. Oh, or we look around and say, well, yeah, maybe that wasn't right, but it's not as bad as Joe Johnston. Because everybody knows if you get as bad as Joe Johnson, then you're in trouble. I'm not that bad. And so I'm okay. I compare myself with other people, and that makes me feel okay. It's just another way of covering up our sin. And the scripture says it's a miserable way to live. In fact, if we die in that condition, we'll spend eternity separated from the one who created us and loved us. So Psalm 32 gives a better alternative. Psalm 32, David says, I found something better. Better than hiding and covering and living with a weight on my shoulders. I found there's freedom and lightness and, and, and joy even though I failed. It's when God forgives me. When I confess that sin to God and he covers it. Not covers it to try to hide it, but covers it so that it's gone. It's a better way to live. And then we get into the New Testament, Colossians chapter 1. There's this powerful verse. Listen to this. It says, God has made us alive together with him, having forgiven us our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. But here's what God loves to do. When we admit our sin, he loves to step in and say, I was just waiting for you to agree with me. That is sin. It is rebellion. Now, I can cleanse it. I can forgive it. And it's not this matter where God says, so let's just pretend it hasn't happened. All right, I'll give you the wink, and now it's gone. That's not what he says. God deals with our sin in such severity that reveals how serious our sin is. That God recognized that that sin separates us from him forever, so he sent his one and only son to be punished for that sin. It says he took that sin and he nailed it to the cross upon which Jesus died. When we confess it, when we agree with God, 
of our sin. So it's not that he overlooks it. It's not that he pretends it didn't happen. It's that he, that he pays for it. In the legal sense, it's that idea of having a record expunged. I've dealt with friends that have gone through some terrible legal situations. And I've had a friend who, through God's grace, had his record expunged. And learned that what that means is it's a, it's a legal declaration that removes a record from the person's case so that it's no longer held against him or her. So in the public record, it's as if it's, it wasn't even there. It's erased. And that's what God does for us. Again, not just because he's some judge that says, eh, I kind of like you, so we'll pretend it didn't happen. No, he says, but I hate that sin, which so much so that I'll send my son to pay for that so that the, all this on your record is now moved to his. So Jesus pays for our failures. Isn't that incredible? And that is available to anyone who places their faith in Jesus. No matter how deep your sin, no matter how many people you hurt in your sin, God says that my son and the death of my son can cleanse you from all of your sin. In Psalm 103, he says, I will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. You can't even comprehend that. Because as soon as you think, well, okay, but we're a, we're a spherical planet. So once you go east long enough, you start going west, right? Well, yeah, but it's still far from the west. It, it's his poetic language to say, you're just not going to see it anymore because in another place he says, he casts it into the depths of the ocean where it can't be found again. So the qu one question to you today is have you, have you come to God, confessed your sin, truly admitted to God that you have failed that you've rebelled against him. The reason so many people don't live in forgiveness is because they've never admitted to God that they've truly sinned. They've justified it. They've explained it. They've covered it up. But if you confess and agree with God on the severity of your sin, the Bible says that his forgiveness will cleanse you. He will cover you completely. When you uncover through confession, he will cover with forgiveness. Have you received him? This could be your moment right now where you simply say, God, that's me. That's me. I've failed you. I've turned away from you. I keep stumbling badly and I desperately need your forgiveness. Cry out to him. He'll grant it. When Jesus rose from the dead, it proved that his death would cover all of our sin. It was, it was that paid in full statement. So you confess to him. And that leads us to this next question. Okay. So if all my sin is forgiven, my past, my present, my future sin, right? That's what salvation does. It covers your past failures, your present failures of today, and your future failures of tomorrow. 
It covers it all. So why do we need to confess our sin every day? Why would Pastor Dan have the audacity to say that 92% of us neglect this habit and we don't faithfully confess our sin to God? Why do we need to? If he's forgiven it, if he's covered it, it, and cast it away from us as far as the east is from the west, why do we need to confess our sin today? Isn't it forgiven? Well, here's, here's a reality that you've experienced. I just don't know if you've admitted it, but we're going to do that today. Here's the reality. Christians sin. <laughs> it's kind of a complicated statement. Let me, two words, we kind of get lost between the two. Let me say it again. Christians Sin. You got that? Try it with me. Ready? Christians sin. Yeah, we do. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, repeat after me. I am a Christian. I am a Christian. Good. Christian sin. I still sin. So what do we do with that? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Pretty cool verse. Let's put it on the screen. There it is. If we say that we do not sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. Whew, we're okay because we just admitted we've sinned. Right? So that's not us. But what do we do? The, next, the verse continues, says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is written to believers. These are the ones that have experienced the cleansing and the covering of God's forgiveness to say that I will not judge you for your sin anymore because I judged Jesus for your sin. But if you have the audacity to say you, still, you don't sin anymore, then you're deceiving yourself. So you still sin. What do you do when you sin? We confess. Because we still need those sins cleansed. So in Scripture, there's a, there's a forgiveness that some have called judicial forgiveness. When you confess your sin in, at salvation, God grants you judicial forgiveness. This forgiveness deals with the penalty of sin, right? The penalty of sin is death. The wage of sin is death. It's condemnation. It's eternal judgment. Well, when God judicially forgives us, that's paid for. We don't have to worry about hell anymore because Jesus paid for our sin. Secondly, it deals with judgment. That judicial forgiveness takes All fear of judgment away. God will not judge us for our sin because, again, Jesus was judged for it. It deals with our standing with God. That when God looks at us, if you've accepted his salvation, God looks at you and sees a justified person. A person whose record has been expunged. That's how God views you. Even though you just yelled at your spouse on the way to church today. According to your standing with God, he doesn't say, oh, you're not my kid anymore. No, you're always his kid. Once you accept his salvation, you become his child. But there's another aspect of 1 John chapter 1 
that he deals with. It's more of a, some have called it a parental forgiveness. That this forgiveness is done like a parent, where you become the child of God, but now as God, as your father, we can still offend him. We don't change our status of not being a child anymore. We're just a child that is disobeyed. Parents, you understand this. When your child disobeys you, you don't say, oh, sorry, you're out of here. Let's go to the courthouse and change your name because you just sinned against me. No, you're, they're always your child. It's just, it's just there's something that's come between you because of their rebellion. That's how it is with God. There's a, there's a parental forgiveness that we need to stay current with. This parental forgiveness deals with more the consequence of sin. Not judgment, but practical consequences. It deals with refreshing relationship with him like a child and a parent whose relationship is consistent and clean and there's submission and respect they feel close together but when there's not they feel distant this deals with continual growth that as you become a child of God it's it's become a child that he expects to continue to progress in your maturity, not being an infant forever, but becoming an infant who becomes a toddler, who becomes an elementary student and an adolescent and an adult. That continued journey that God has for you, he doesn't want you to stay where you are in your faith right now. He wants you to keep growing, which is why you're here, right? You're here because you know that that where you were last week is not where you need to be this week, and so you've come to hear God's word to keep growing in those steps of Christian life. Well, confession is part of this because those sins that we continue to commit can hinder that progression of growth. So there's this habit we see in 1 John 1, 9. It says when we do sin, we confess it. Not so that we can become God's child again, but because we are God's child and we want to grow in that relationship with him. So we admit our sin. We admit our failure. We don't try to cover it up. We don't look back to say, well, good thing that was forgiven long ago. Yeah, it's forgiven in a judicial sense, but there's still that relational sense we need to care for. When we establish a habit of confessing our sin as believers, it addresses two things. One, it keeps our relationship with God fresh and growing and new. Secondly, it makes war against that sin. When we confess something as sin, we agree with God about it, and then we say, and I probably shouldn't keep doing that because I don't want to have to keep confessing it. This this is hindering my most important relationship, so i got to stop that. So when I confess it as sin, it puts a flag on it to say, wrong, destructive, harmful, avoid it. So let's get real practical. How do we live the habit of confession as a believer today? Scripture gives no indication that You have to come to a church building or to a church leader and confess it to that person. The the scripture instead teaches that you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 
And you can go right to him because Jesus has saved you. It's brought you in relationship with God the Father. And so you can go right to him. So how do we do that? Three things that have helped me. First of all, when I become aware of my sin, I confess it to God in prayer right then. You don't have to wait till the first day of the week. You don't have to wait till a certain appointment. Don't wait till the morning. When you recognize that you've failed God, in that moment, admit it to him. It's a cool thing about God. He's daily with us. He'll never leave us. So, so he'll be listening to you. He'll be listening to that voice of your heart. When you say, God, this was wrong. Forgive me. He will. So when you sin, confess it right then, right then. I don't know about you, <coughs> excuse me, but in, in my life, I can, I can be, tend to move at such a fast pace, I don't even recognize it sometimes when I sin. Anybody like that? Cheryl, good. Uh, good, Joel, yep. Yeah, good. You're in good company. And sometimes you go through your life because sins feel so right at the moment. That's the other thing, that sometimes when I make that decision to speak harshly against him, man, he deserved it. Then you look back and say, yeah, but does God give me everything I deserve? Was that grace and truth? So secondly, in your rhythm of prayer, include confession as a component. So in your rhythm of prayer, I hope that you have another habit, that you have time in your daily life when you spend time with God. Maybe it's in the morning when you wake up. Maybe it's at night before you go to bed. Some of you journal and talk with God in your journal. Some of you take walks and you, that's when you use your time of prayer. Some of you have told me that you talk to God on your drives, which is a wonderful use of time. But in those rhythms... Include confession. Examine your heart. Ask God to examine your heart and confess the sin he reveals to you. Thirdly, as we gather for worship, examine your heart. Jesus made that statement. He says, when you come to offer your sacrifice, and you realize you have sin against a brother, make that right. And then come and worship. So when we come to worship, it's just a good habit. When you, some of you get here early. Some of you enjoy the coffee that's provided. By the way, Neva, we don't sell you enough. Thank you so much for providing us coffee every morning. If you'd love to help Neva on that team, she would love, love help. But anyway, some of you come early. I'd encourage you, instead of just enjoying time talking with one another, take a moment and say, God, have I wronged you? Am I coming into this place a hypocrite? And if he reveals something to you, confess it. Don't justify it, explain it away, hide it, confess it. And here's what you'll find. You'll find, as you live your life, you have that closeness of God with you as you go. You'll be less in need of just grinding it through the week and then crawling into Sunday oh, and get recharged and then grinding through the week and crawling back into Sunday. No, in fact, you'll see that actually every day is Sunday. 
Every day is the Lord's day because I'm walking faithfully and consistently in a close relationship with my father. I did a woodworking project here over the last couple weeks and I used some old lumber. When I picked up this old lumber, I, I saw there was some, there's some screws and nails in this wood that I'm probably going to have to get out. Well, that was a couple months ago and now I'm working on it. Sawing it down to size, pushing one through that table saw, and all of a sudden, bam, that wood starts, pops right back at me. What in the world? Oh, it's that nail. It's that nail that was covered up through time, and I pretended it was an issue. I'll pretend that sometime we'll deal with that. I just let it sit there. I, I find sometimes my walk with Jesus is like that. Or just hide something and then it just festers and it, eventually it shows itself. I don't want to live like that. So, we establish a habit. As I walk with Jesus, I confess my sin. As he reveals it, my rhythm of prayer, as I come to worship, but seeking consistency in that relationship with him. I can walk closely with him. I commend that habit to you. I don't know how well you do. Maybe this is something that would say, maybe, maybe you didn't even know you should. Maybe you knew we should, but you just pace of life just keeps going. Well, here's the cool thing about a habit. It can start today. I encourage you to do that. Lord, we ask that you would Bring us current again. Father, that the sin that we've made light of or justified, the sin that we have blamed on others, Lord, I pray you'd reveal to us so we can confess it. Thank you for not holding it to our account. Thank you for not judging us. Thank you for paying for that sin through the death of Jesus. But Lord, we don't want to deface the grace of God by continuing to sin. Thank you for your promise that says when we confess it, you will cleanse us from all unrightness. So search us, O oh God. Search us and see, is there sin? Is there a way that we failed you that we need to make right? Cleanse us, we pray. Thank you for joining us today as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.